Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. episode is airing on Tuesday, December 21st, 2021. Good morning, everyone. It's Shannon, and we are getting closer and closer to Christmas. So it would stand to reason that I would have a sort of holiday-themed interview for you today. However, me being me, I don't. Um, I have a really fun and insightful interview that I did with author Sophie Cousins, whose novel Just Haven't Met You Yet was released in November here in the U.S. And we talk a lot about romance, about kind of the, hmm, some of the tropes, some of the preconceived notions about romance. We talk about the things that Sophie likes best about her writing, and the stories that she creates. It is a lot of fun, and I hope you enjoy hearing it as much as I enjoyed participating. So, we will move directly into the housekeeping information, and then on with the interview with Sophie Cousins. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am chatting with author Sophie Cousins and her novel, Just Haven't Met You Yet has been released here in the U.S. on November 9th. Sophie, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me on the show. You're welcome. Could you start out with a brief introduction to Just Haven't Met You Yet so that listeners can have an idea what to expect? So it is a romantic comedy and it starts with the premise our heroine Laura um, is on a business trip to the Channel Islands and when she gets to the airport she picks up the wrong suitcase at the airport and when she gets back to her hotel she looks in the suitcase and she sees all of these things that make her believe that this suitcase must be owned by her soulmate. There's her favorite book. There is piano music by her favorite musician. There's this perfume that's wrapped up as a gift that's the perfume her mother used to wear. And she is um, a, a huge romantic. So she decides like this has to be a sign. This is the universe telling me this is the man for me. So that's where it starts. <laughs> so I have never had the experience that I've taken someone else's luggage. I've lost my luggage while traveling. Um, and that's, you know, never a good thing. But I imagine that uh, accidentally scooping up someone else's luggage is probably 
not super great either. So I love kind of the like romantic twist that you've put on this sort of inconvenience that so many people experience when they travel. Well, I know. And I think that all suitcases look the same. And if you're in a, in a rush and you're just grabbing something from the carousel, I think it's easy to do. And I have had friends tell me they've done this. And actually some friends who came to visit us did do this in Jersey. They picked up the wrong case and then they ended up meeting up with the other person to swap. And I just thought, imagine if you were both single and that was the beginning of something that would be amazing. Yes, that would be like the best story of like how you met, like one of those yeah. things that gets like passed down for years and years. People are always like super excited to tell kind of their meeting story. Well, that is that is a big theme of the book as well. Like it's um the whole concept of like meeting stories and how much kind of romance we put into them is a big part of the story because Laura is a journalist and she works for a website who um they write articles about people's meet cutes and how people met and they're weird and wonderful and amazing stories. And so Laura's bar of expectation is really high because she's yes. just met all these couples that met in incredible ways. Her parents met in an incredible way. So she's thinking, right, when it comes to me, it's coming in like an amazing way. She's not going to just meet someone online or like at, you know, in the street A show or in the grocery store <laughs> yeah no you have to meet in some like very you know dramatic clever romantic way um but then but then equally I think that's a lot of what the story is about as well is sort of how much um the meeting matters and like whether that is really where the romance is or whether it should be about something else so a lot of a lot of the book is Laura unpacking her feelings about romance and meetings and love I think there's so much that so much emphasis that we put on all all parts of the romantic relationship and sometimes you know when we're talking about books and movies like that that stuff is really cool because that's where the story is but I sometimes wonder if for those of us who spend a lot of time reading these books and watching these movies, like does this sort of inform our perceptions of, of real life relationships? Yes, and actually that's something I worry about a bit sometimes because, so when I wrote This Time Next Year, which was my first book, yes. um, it's very about like star-crossed lovers something that's fated very much the universe is involved in getting these these people together and I actually had a few readers email me and sort of say oh I love this time next year and it made me feel better about being single because it just reassured me that like the universe has everything in hand and I will meet someone eventually and I mean that just made me feel really responsible <laughs> I mean it's only <laughs> There's only a few people, but also it just, I feel, can be maybe quite dangerous to read all these rom-coms and feel like the universe is going to sort it all out for you because, you know, you've also got to put yourself out there and be open to relationships and, you know, not necessarily like thunder and lightning and suddenly the man is there waiting for you. Right. And I think that there's, you know, a lot that we kind of take for granted in these types of romantic books you know um like I read them because they are at least for me like the things that aren't very likely to happen in real life you know I'm not gonna get myself into these 
like very quirky, very specific situations (laughs) that a lot of our heroines will find themselves in. And so for me, it's, it's a fun sort of escape, but I do sort of see people kind of expecting in some ways, or even not even consciously expecting perhaps that their lives are going to unfold in, in some of these ways. No, I agree. And I think most people who love romance novels, they like the escapism. They like the fact that it's they're suspending their disbelief slightly. It's, you know, it doesn't matter if it's not like a completely realistic setup. Um, but I think that that is something I just had a lot of fun exploring. The book is very sort of self-referential about rom-coms and romantic films and like what we expect. Um, so that's just something that I definitely find interesting about being a romance writer. It reminds me of like, you know, you see on YouTube sometimes these videos that'll be like the reality of something like versus, you know, the expectations, like how do our expectations kind of line up with what is real? And I think when it comes to, you know, the types of things we read about in books, um, I think it'd be really, really tricky to have your life kind of play out like a romance novel. Yes. No, it would. I know it would. And also I find like a lot of the, a lot of romances that I read, like I do feel like the heroes are great, but I can tell they've been written by a woman. (laughs) Ah, yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, It's the female fantasy of what they wish men were like. (laughs) So have you been a romance reader um, for a long time, like before you started writing romance or how did you kind of find your niche here? Um, so I think there's I, I I definitely have read a few like some of the my favorite books were like Sophie Kinsella I was a huge fan of her shopaholic books oh yes Bridget Jones's diary I think was one of the first books I read that I thought was so funny and it kind of opened my mind to like writing something that was just quite kind of casual and the kind of humor that I found amusing so I definitely kind of was as a teenager I grew up on those kind of books But I think my real influence is actually rom-com movies. I'm a huge fan of all those kind of 90s classic, Four Weddings and a Funeral, you know, Sleepless in Seattle. I think those are my main source of inspiration. More more so, I'm reading a lot of romance novels now that I do it as a job. But yeah, coming into this, I'd say I had more experience in film than, than books. I grew up on, on romances, like probably way earlier than I probably should have. I was reading like, you know, Jude Devereaux's historicals, Julie Garwood, Joanna Lindsay, like all of these. Um, I kind of jokingly call them now the romances of my youth. Like the big, like sweeping stories that, you know, span continents. (laughs) And I've always had sort of a, a, a soft spot for those. And I've seen the romance genre change in some really necessary ways over the years but I do sometimes miss those like big sweeping historical novels. I mean, it's funny you say that because actually I remember I was at boarding school and there was a girl in my house who used to have hundreds of Mills and Boons like hidden under her bed. Oh, yes. And, I, and she used to like loan them out. She had her own little like, you know, lending library. And, and I loved those. They, they were, yeah, as a teenager, they were great to read and they introduced me to the world of romance. But it's funny that they were real like hide under the bed thing. And I just don't think that's the case now. I think people are like proud to read romance and they embrace it. And it's not something to like be embarrassed about. 
guessing if you are like a high school student, you probably are still hiding them under the bed. Yeah, maybe you are. That's true. Maybe if you're maybe if you're sort of a little bit younger and you shouldn't necessarily have them, maybe that's the that's the key. Because I know, you know, now as an adult, I can talk really freely about the things I read and the things I love. But, you know, at 13, 14, I never really told my parents like what I was reading um, because there was something in me that said, you know, my parents don't like wouldn't want me to read all of these like sexy times. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. But then interestingly, I just feel like actually those romance novels were like such a education when you're a teenager and you know that's like it's probably better than hearing stuff third hand from a friend who doesn't know what they're talking about you know oh yes yes I think I think they're probably quite a you know like positive and like aspirational view of love and sex I, I think they can be I think you know depending obviously on like where you start and your own sort of maturity like as a reader um I think you can you can learn a lot. I think you can also, in some ways, perhaps set yourself up for a little bit of a disappointment because, you know, those <laughs> yeah. first, like those first bedroom scenes that we see in a lot of those older books, you know, I, I can't imagine anyone's like real life first sexual experience um, going, you know, quite those ways. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. You're right. They're setting they're setting you up for unrealistic romantic expectations from the off. Yes. So this is your second book. And what can readers expect from you going forward? Like are you kind of kind of hang out here in like the rom-com type genre or are you branching out? What do you have in store for us? I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna hang out in the rom-com genre. I quite enjoy Yay. it, and um, I. But but again, like I think with both my books, like this time next year, and just haven't met you yet. I think what I really like to bring to the genre is a real ensemble cast with lots of characters, kind of unusual oh, yes. settings, but then at the same time having a lot of the familiar tropes and kind of comedy that people expect from a rom-com so yeah I think my challenge is just sort of working out I just want to add something a little new every time I do a book so it's just working out what my what my new take is going to be do you have a favorite trope either to read or to write uh funnily enough I think yeah I think enemies to lovers is probably one of like the hating game is one of my favorite Ah, modern modern rom-com it has a special place in a lot of people's hearts and I just think the banter between a couple who kind of hate love love hate each other is just so fun to write um and there's definitely a bit of that in this time next year it's um and, and that for me I really enjoyed that kind of verbal sparring that you get yes. between a couple who like each other but don't quite know they know that they like each other yet so that's definitely something I might do next. <laughs> just think, just talk myself into it. I'm going to do that next. <laughs> well, good luck. We will definitely be keeping an eye out for it. I think enemies to lovers, you know, when it's done well, you do get like that kind of sizzle and spark. I tend to shy away from a lot of it because it seems like we're heading down that path of like the darker sort of bully romance um, that we see a lot now. And so I, I have to really kind of draw the line like figure out what I like as far as enemies to lovers that doesn't sort of devolve into that kind of like bullying behavior 
Yes, I think it's very hard to do well. I think um, uh, Christine Lawrence, the Unhoneymooners, they do oh, it. Oh, yes. So that's done really well. I think the Hating Game does it well. I think the key is to have a feisty woman who gives as good as she gets. And I think that the, yeah, the, it's all about the power dynamic, I think. But yeah, I, I, I agree. It's, it's very hard to do to make sure the tone is, is that you're comfortable with the tone. Yeah, and I think there are just so many different subgenres that explore like romance tropes. And obviously not all of them are going to resonate with, you know, any one person. Um, but I do find myself, you know, kind of steering clear of some of the books that look like they might be sort of bullyish. Um, you know, I think it's a, it's a hard balance to strike where you can feel that these people really have some problems. They don't like each other, like right off the bat but they're also not like purposely harming each other. Yes. What's your favorite trope then in terms of this, like this rom-com world? Do you have anything? So I really like fake dating. Um, mm. I think there are also some really cool like road trip romances. Yes, um, yes. You know, I love sort of marriage of convenience or kind of like arranged marriage. I read a lot of historicals. And so those do that like really well. Um, and I have found a few like friends to lovers that have just like evolved so, so nicely. And I love watching those relationships transform from just like, you know, someone that has been your best friend and suddenly now you know, you're opening up into that romantic relationship. And I think there's just something really, really nice about watching those relationships change. Yes, I agree. I think Emily Henry's um, People We Meet on Vacation did that really oh, yes. Friends to Lovers. That was great. Yes, yes. I also think um, Courtney Milan has done this really well in a couple of her historicals. Um, I Ooh, think I read, that... Hey. Yes, Courtney Milan is phenomenal. I think her Brother's Sinister series is one of the very best historical romance series like in like modern time. Um, it starts with The Duchess War. Oh, okay. I need to check it out. Right. I'm yes. adding it to my list. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There, there are so, so many great books out. And sort of along that line, can you tell me what you've read recently that you think the world should know about? I tell you what I have read recently, but it's not out till next year. That's read, okay. I, that's okay. So I've read a book, uh, it's a rom-com by Sarah Lotz and it's called Impossible. And Ooh. it is, people are going to be excited about this one. This is one of the best rom-coms I've ever read. And I do not give praise like that lightly. So it's so original. It's, it's a, it's a rom-com, which is very, very funny, but the premise, I don't want to give too much away because I think it's better not to know. Um, but yeah, it's a kind of suspend your disbelief, slightly out of this world <laughs> rom-com uh, where the couple really, really have a hard time being together for various reasons, but I just loved it. It was very original. I love reading books that I don't quite know where it's going to end or how it's going to get there. And that can be really hard to do in romance where everyone expects a happy ending. So um, yeah, that, that's one to really look out for. I will definitely keep an eye out for that. I love hearing about like early copies, things that you know aren't really on people's radar yet but definitely should be. 
yeah so. that one and and it's again it's like it's a little bit wacky so it might be like too out there for some people but that's a that's the kind of book that I really like I like something a bit edgy um the other book I've been reading lately is the Finley Donovan the second novel in the it was a big hit last year oh yes um yes. and I'm just reading the second one of that and I love that again because it's a bit of like genre crossover it's kind of it's very funny but it, and it kind of touches on it is a bit of a rom-com, but it's also this kind of murder mystery. Um, for anyone who doesn't know the story, it's a, a single mum who is pitching her novel to her agent in a restaurant and someone overhears and thinks she's a contract killer and gets her to try and murder their husband. So, I mean, it's just a brilliant premise, very well executed. So I'm yes, enjoying that at the moment. Yes, because contract killers are always like hanging out in restaurants, yeah. discussing <laughs> their, their next job, like just kind of, you know right there out yes. in the open yes exactly <laughs> but yes this is one that I've been meaning to read for quite a while I have it actually sitting on my iPad and I need to move it up because I've heard so many good things about it it's just funny in a way that I love that kind of contrast you know as in she's juggling the childcare and you know kind of feeding her kids at the same time as she's juggling a dead body in the garage I mean that's just that's just hilarious for me like that kind of setup you just don't really see it in murder mysteries usually someone trying to no. juggle childcare. there is a um a romance that came out earlier this year and it's dial a for aunties by jesse q sutanto and it is a similar sort of thing in that it's like this family wedding business oh and yeah I read about this this looks really yes, good yeah it is so so fun and it does all the things that you sort of expect a romance to do but in a little bit of a different way where you never quite know like how it's going to end up um and the whole sort of inclusion of like this this dead body that they're trying to hide and dispose of just adds kind of that extra element of like mystery to it that you don't that you know sometimes you don't get in like a straight up rom-com Yes, that sounds brilliant. That sounds really good. Yes. I just remembered actually because I've got it on my desk and I'm looking at it. The other book I've really enjoyed that's coming out next year is the new um, Josie Silver. I don't know if people, oh, people who are fans yes. of One Day in December and this is called One Night on the Island. And it's, yeah, very romantic, really, really fun. It, that's a kind of enemies to lovers trope as well, actually, but done very, very well. So I think people are going to enjoy that when that comes out. I read um, The Two Lives of Lydia Bird by yes. her. Um, I have not read One Day in December yet. So Two Lives, I read that as well and I enjoyed it, but it is quite a tearjerker. It's quite heavy. It is. Um, it is. And I, I'm not, I, I, I thought it was brilliantly done, but I, I'm not a big fan of books that make me cry. I prefer, <laughs> I prefer uh, to. Ah, yes. <laughs> so I did, I think I, I th this is more in the feels of her first book, which is a I mean, it does have a lot of emotion and actually you might be upset in some of it, but it's generally a little bit lighter than Lydia Bird, I'd say. I feel like I, I really kind of go from one end of the spectrum to the other. Like sometimes I really want those big, heavy books. Um, like Tia Jerkers, you mean? Yes. You mean, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, like Christine see... Higgins, um, like her latest one, Pack Up the Moon. Um, it's just like so beautiful, but so sad. Yeah, you see, I don't like sad books. Like, it's funny, oh. I see all, all this stuff on TikTok of people saying, oh my God, this book made me cry. And like, I don't want to cry. I don't know, I don't want to cry. Like, I think there's so much 
upsetting things in the world already. I don't find it, I don't find it like therapeutic. I just find it like, I don't need any more sad things in my head. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a lot of people. I think for me, if I can sort of get all like weepy and emotional about something I'm reading and sort of like cry it out, um, I, I tend to feel a little better than I, I might if I just sort of, you know, don't like, don't get to that emotional place. Yes, I know what you mean. And actually, I don't mind it. On Maybe it's just in books because it's a longer process. Whereas, like, I've just been watching Made on Netflix. And that's... Oh, I want to see that. Yeah, because it's so, like, hard-hitting, but it's also a true story. And it's very moving. But again, I just don't know if I could read the book because it's just, like, already, like, scenes stick with me. And, you know, like, I, it, it, yeah, it's it's hard to shake off the... The world because it's so enveloping I suppose. And I think that was based on on a memoir. Yes yeah it's, a, um, it's based on a memoir which was her real life kind of um, yes as a, as a single mom living in quite extreme poverty and it's just been it's just done brilliantly it's got it's got um, Andy McDowell is in it in the, in the show with her real life daughter and they're just such oh. an amazing pairing that's incredible acting and yeah, you're just really invested. I've not, I don't think I've been so invested in a character for a long time. Yeah, I do need to see that. I've I've heard good things about it, and I just and if you like to cry, definitely you will really like it. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. Okay. This is moving up on my things to watch. I don't do a lot of TV, but when I do, um, I want it to be like something something excellent. I fell hard for Bridgerton at the end of last year. Oh, that was um, great. That was great. Yes. I mean, talk again about like romance crossover. I mean, you yes. said you were a fan of the Regency, but I just thought it, I just thought it was so fresh, Bridgerton. It just has like a new kind of vibe to it that we haven't really seen a lot of. And yeah, just it just was completely addictive, wasn't it? Oh, and the second season is coming, hopefully, like in yeah. February. Yes, that will be something to cheer up our miserable yes. February. Yes, it will. <laughs> yes, because winter, you know cold long a little bleak <laughs> <laughs> but the best thing to cheer up a cold dark bleak winter is a really sunny rom-com <laughs> it's true it's true because it's kind are... of like taking a little vacation when you don't you know, I do find like if you read a book about like a nice like someone going on a trip or like traveling it kind of takes you out of yourself doesn't it and makes oh yeah you feel I like think there was a lot of that written during the pandemic um yes and I think that's partly what made people we meet on vacation like so, so important to so many people because it did sort of take you to all these really cool spots that for a lot of people, you know, you weren't able to go to during the pandemic. No, exactly. Exactly. You got to go on holiday sort of like without going on holiday. <laughs> yes. Without worrying about germs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, I want to thank you so incredibly much for taking time out of your schedule so close to your release day to chat with me about yourself and your writing and the things that kind of spark your interest when it comes to writing books. Um, can you let listeners know the best place to find you online? Um, so you can check out my website, which is sophiecousins.com. That's cousins with an E. Um, and if you want to buy the book, yeah, it's available from all good bookstores. You can get it from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, or any of your independent bookstores should be able to get it for you too. 
awesome. And again, this is Just Haven't Met You Yet by Sophie Cousins, and it released here in the U.S. on November 9th. Again, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you. Lovely to talk. Um, Thanks, listeners, for tuning in. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.